If you kind of like fitness, then you'll definitely love this podcast. You are listening to the Fit-ish podcast, where you'll hear a lot about fitness and a lot about other-ish. Hello, and welcome back to the Fittish Podcast. It's your hosts, Alan Yee and Monica Blanco. We know you guys kind of like fitness, and so we know you will love this podcast. On today's episode, we go through a huge Q&A. We answer about almost 20 questions in the end. Um, Some questions are a little quicker than others, but by the end of the episode, we're getting real deep into the questions going over the small nitty-gritty details. So if that's something that interests you, Please stick around for the rest of this episode. In the beginning, me and Monica, we just catch up, see how things have been going. We haven't seen each other in about a month since she came to LA and visited me in real life for the first time. And then we get into the questions. The first couple questions are kind of easy ones that we just kind of get through. Things about like wearing glasses while exercising, wearing a lifting belt and why you would do that. Exercise for your biceps and chest without any equipment. Our thoughts on pre-workout and our thoughts on dry scooping. We talk about gym shoes and talk about cardio versus exercise. And then we get deep down into the nitty gritty talking about like, is 1200 calories good for a person who's 5'4"? Do lifting belts actually shape your waist? What exercises should you start if you want to build up your midsection or your abdomen? We talk about having a proper diet and is it actually really necessary for your fitness goals? Talking about reaching a 15% body fat and losing that last bit of stubborn belly fat. And then we finish it off talking about anxiety at the gym. How do we deal with that? What are some tips we have for you guys to deal with that? And then how much protein, carbs, and fat should you eat every day? And the last question, talking about fitness progress and how long that should actually take. If any of those things sound interesting to you, whether it's the first question, the 10th question, or that last question, please stick around for the rest of this podcast. We've got a banger in store, just about over an hour of answering all of these questions. Hope you guys enjoy. All right. Hello. What's up? Long time no see. I know, right? How you been? Good. Uh, I got into a master's program. I'll be moving to New York in August. So exciting. What is your master's program in? Master's of Public Health. So after two years, everyone will have to call me Master Yi. No. Yeah, that should be a thing. No, I'm good. I'm not going to grad school for no reason. You call a doctor a doctor. I'm a master. I will be a master. Doctor, you, oh, you have to oh, call yeah. me a master. Not PhD. PhDs are doctors. But you're not getting a PhD. No, I'm getting a master's of public health. I'll yeah, be a master. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So my title master will officially ye. exactly. How about you? Anything new with you? No. Yes. So much. I don't know. I'm too busy. I can't even use my brain right now. You're always on clubhouse. I'm always listening. Uh, Well, I guess. Yeah. I I see your name on a lot of the, on the clubs over there. Yeah. I'm listening. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I get nervous talking on stage still. So. Hmm. Do you get paid at all? No, I swear you're on there like half the day. I am doing stuff with a nonprofit Uh 
for the Filipino community, but uh-huh. also That's I cool. like to dabble into the health and fitness rooms. Yeah. You're into health. You're into fitness. This is Fittish. Fittish. Welcome to Fittish, everyone. Been a long time. We're rebranding. We're going to go over more questions. Um, oh, I guess we'll just get into it, right? Yep. I will start. I will ask you the questions. Okay. And all these questions are from our Instagram. We put up a poll on both of our pages and we'll start doing that more often. Maybe every week we'll try to record an episode every week and we'll go over as many questions as possible within the time constraints. We've given ourselves about an hour and hopefully we will be able to get it here. All right. Are you ready? Yep. I am ready. Okay. Question number one, is it comfortable wearing glasses while exercising with the mass protocol not really i mean the glasses themselves are fine like they just kind of sit on your face there's nothing else to that but if you have a mask on and they get foggy during like your heavy sets or during a hard workout that's when it kind of gets annoying and i've just been wearing them because i got these hard contacts and those things just really aren't for me like i i really? hate my hard con- yeah I'm going to go back to soft contacts. Like I'm just having too much issues with that. So that's why I've been wearing my glasses a lot more the past few months. Interesting. I've never tried hard contacts. I wear they just dailies. Yeah. I'm going to go back to, I was doing monthlies. And then one time I got an eye infection from the monthlies. And I think I'll just go to dailies. Yeah. Dailies rip. Yeah. Also, I was going to ask you that same question. Because whenever I try to wear glasses, I always sweat and it always yeah yeah comes off my face. You got a windshield wipe, especially if you run also with glasses. That's probably the worst thing. You do that? I've done that. No. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Cool. All right. Next question. Is it possible to increase angle width? <laughs> Not 100% sure where this question is coming from, but like to increase the width of it. Yeah. You can like add more fat and make it bigger, but the actual like bone size and the bone structure is not going to change very much. And I don't know why you would want to increase your ankle width. Maybe they have like ankle problems like where they roll it a lot. I would just focus on the muscles and the tendons and the ligaments rather than trying to increase the width of it. Yeah. Interesting question. Um, I think we're good with that one though. All right. When to incorporate a lifting belt and why? Have you ever used one? I've used a belt before and uh, mostly for like my heavier lifts. So right now I don't know where my belt or any of my sleeves are. So I've just been lifting raw and it's a lot easier because you don't have to like bring the equipment. You don't have to put it on. When to actually incorporate a lifting belt. You'll probably see a lot of bodybuilders who are wearing it all the time. I don't think that's a great practice to have. If you are going to use a belt and you're kind of into a strength phase, you should be using it maybe when you get to the 85, 90% maximum of your max, like one rep range. So let's say if you squat max rep 315 and you're getting up to like 275, 285, you can throw on the belt. If you're going for a one rep max, maybe throw on the belt. Um, but before then I would say, try to get as heavy, as much heavy lifting in without having to use the extra equipment. And that's just going to be way better in the long run. Yeah. That's good advice. You don't want to become too dependent on it. 
Yeah, because it can really be a crutch. Like, I remember there were times when, like, I just couldn't lift at all without the belt just because, like, I didn't feel safe. Like, I didn't practice proper form or mechanics or breathing without the belt. And I literally just couldn't lift without one. And so that would be really detrimental if, like, you go into the gym and you do want to hit a big heavy set and you don't have your belt around or with you. Maybe you went to a new gym. So it's really good to not create a dependence on the belt and be able to lift without it. What about like, you know, straps and stuff like that? Would that same thing apply? Like for the most part, like for a deadlift, the limiting factor is going to be your grip strength. And of course, like when you get into the heavier things, it's better practice to try to not to use your lifting straps, like try to lift as heavy as you can without the straps. And then maybe if it really is that limiting factor where you feel like you could lift 50 more pounds, but your grip just isn't there, maybe start to use them. But one thing that I did see uh, that we can talk about is also like using hook grip and learning how to use hook grip at a lighter weight, maybe Mm -hmm. with like just 135 pounds on the bar, bar is what I'm starting with. And I'm trying to get used to hook grip. They use that a lot in Olympic weightlifting, also the hook grip. Um, and then what I saw from Jordan Syatt or Syatt Fitness is that when he was doing deadlifts, he would reach his like top set and then he would hold on to the deadlift for like 10 to 15 seconds. So if it's like, let's say 365, he's doing it without straps. And that last set that he does where he pulls it up off the ground, he's holding it up for as long as he can, usually like 10 to 15 seconds. And so he was saying like, the more you do that and you go up in weight, the more your grip will also be become stronger and stronger because you're teaching your grip how to hold on to a lot of heavy weight. So that way you can go up to 405 maybe and still be able to not use any any sort of straps. And I think that's the best approach. Yeah, for people that don't know what hook grip is, can you describe what it is? Oh my God, hook grip is basically where you wrap your thumb you wrap your fingers over your thumb, almost like you're making a fist. You're making a fist with your thumb inside of your four fingers. And so with that, you're basically jamming your thumb into the bar and you're wrapping your fingers around the thumb, which is wrapped around the bar. And so that na- acts as like a natural lifting strap because now you're not, o- you're not holding on to just the bar with your hands and fingers. Your thumb is basically like statically in place and you get to wrap your hands around your thumb and your thumb acts as the strap. So imagine like your thumb around the bar and your fingers around the thumb, your thumb acts as, as that strap now, because it's like, there's nowhere for it to go. Like it can't, it won't leave. And so that's hook grip. Yeah. I've never tried it. Not for everyone. Definitely not for everyone. You definitely need to get used to it. Your thumbs are going to hate you for a long time. And I don't know, I'm just doing it now because I don't want to use my straps. I want my strength to become my grip strength to become a lot better. Uh, yeah. All right. Best exercise to build the biceps and chest with no equipment. No equipment. Do you want to, do you want to chime in or do you want me to go first? No, easy. I was just going to say push ups and pull-ups. That's it. Yeah. Basically if you literally have no equipment, like you're not going to go wrong with doing pushups and pull-ups every day. And with body weight exercises, you can definitely do them every day. Um, maybe not till failure, but doing a little bit every day will go a long way. If you absolutely have no equipment, chest, 
will be push-ups, biceps is pull-ups. And you can either do wide grip to kind of hit the long head of the biceps, or you can go the underhand chin-up grip to hit the short head. And that gets kind of both of them. Yeah. There are even other, yeah, variations of push-ups too, that you can try. And if you really don't have equipment, I think it, it always is a great opportunity to hone in on your form, Mm -hmm. like really perfect that. So when you actually get back into the gym, you're good. Good to go. All right. Thoughts on pre-workout. Pre-workout. So a lot of people have a question about pre-workout and they're like, what is pre-workout? Like, what does it do? The main thing about pre-workout is that it has caffeine in it for most of them. Most of them have a stimulant and the stimulant is caffeine. There are some stimulant-free pre-workouts that are that don't have the caffeine. We'll get into that later. But most pre-workouts that you buy or you see people taking have caffeine. And that's the major ingredient. With that in mind, that means you don't necessarily need to get a pre-workout if you are thinking about it. You can be fine with like coffee. Coffee. That's what I do. Yeah, coffee right before your workout. Most pre-workouts have anywhere between 150 milligrams to 300, 350 milligrams of caffeine. Uh, the caffeine content in a Red Bull is like 100, like an 8-ounce, 12-ounce Red Bull is like 100. A Bang is like 350. Monsters are usually like 200. So those are perfectly fine for pre-workouts too. There are some pre-workouts with extra supplements in them. And those might go a long way. If you're someone who is like really dedicated to the gym, trying to make the trying to get the most amount out of yourself as possible. So if you are looking for a pre-workout, you do want a pre-workout that has some sort of caffeine content. And you also want them to state how much caffeine, a lot of a lot of companies will do a proprietary blend and they're like, oh, this is our like pri- proprietary mixture with caffeine and hydrous and this thing and this thing and this thing. And they don't ever tell you like the actual amount of caffeine or dosage in it. So look for one with a caffeine dosage that's actually written out somewhere in maybe the 200 milligram range is good for people. I know the upper end is usually 400 to 600 milligrams of caffeine every day. And so caffeine will help you know, give you that boost of energy in the gym. And it also helps with increasing your muscle contractions. Like it helps uh, release more calcium into the muscles to create a stronger muscle contraction. So that's the reason for having caffeine. And then you also want to look for things that have uh, like L-citrulline, citrulline malate, which will help be a vasodilator. Um, What else is there? Nitric oxide for a vasodilator. Um, Other things like Beta alanine, if it's dosed correctly, I think you need about five to six grams for it to be correct. But beta alanine is the the supplement that makes you itchy. So if you are prone to itchiness and you don't like that, then look for one without beta alanine. And that's been a big help for a lot of people. They're like, I want to take pre-workout, but I'm always itchy. I just tell them, look for one without beta alanine and you should be good to go. Beta alanine and maybe niacin. Uh, a lot of Companies will throw in niacin as well, just because it gives it flushing effect. That way you're like, whoa, this, this thing's working. Like I'm red. I feel it. I feel it working. Cause a lot of people don't like buying things if they can't feel it. That's Mm. like why people don't buy CBD. They're like, oh, I tried CBD for one day. I didn't feel anything. You're not supposed to feel it. It's not a stimulant. (laughs) Like CBD is not a stimulant, Uh, but without going on a tangent. Yeah. If you're looking for a good pre-workout and you don't want to be itchy, make sure it doesn't have beta alanine in it. You just threw those caffeine like the milligrams for all those energy drinks. Did you have that ready? Or do you, did you just memorize? I, all of I was such, 
I was such a caffeine fiend. And I also do that because I've gotten the question so much about like caffeine. And so it's like, I know how much is in like one cup of coffee. It's usually like 80 milligrams. Like that's what you get at Starbucks. If you get a small cup of coffee, espressos are like 60. A shot of espresso is like 60, uh, but it's just more concentrated, has the other like chemicals found in caffeine that you don't find in like pure man-made caffeine uh but yeah i've like memorized it just because so many people and i have to make it a comparison like this is how much this has this is how much this has this is how much you're taking so like you're pretty good like yeah you take pre-workout i i save my pre-workout like the actual pre-workout um for days where i'm either feeling tired sluggish lethargic or just don't feel like going to the gym some days when i don't feel like going to the gym but i know i i need to get in a session I'll literally just like sip on a little pre-workout and then maybe feel like the energy or the tingliness and be like, Oh, I can't just sit here at home and like not go to the gym now. Like I I have that Mm -hmm. extra, like external motivation. Like I just got to go for a little bit that way. I don't feel so jittery. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. Go ahead. But for the most part, I'm drinking like water and coffee. Yeah. That's what I tell clients too. Cause they ask about pre-workout and I, I mean, I don't think it, it has to be included in your routine. You don't need it. Obviously I don't personally take it. I have high blood pressure, hypertension. Um, so that too much caffeine just is not good for me, but also it's not always going to be the best thing for your workouts. I think you need to like give it time to see if you actually feel like it's improving your workouts. Cause sometimes if people have caffeine beforehand, it can affect their performance, but it just depends on the person, I think. Yeah. I also saw, just saw this video of a guy taking like shotgunning three bangs and putting like pre-workout, the lit AF pre-workout into each of those. I'm like, this is so dumb. Like I've, I've definitely had too much caffeine on some days back when I first started lifting. And those were like the worst days. Like you just can't function afterwards. And it's such a, it's such a bad feeling that I know now, like seeing that I'm like, Oh, that's so bad. Cause I know what it feels like to have way too much caffeine for your own good. And it's not a good feeling. And it's not something that you would want to do ever again. Right. Yeah. I think it's so it's a, it would be a fun experiment on yourself to just like figure out what the right amount is for you too, to where you actually feel like you are improving your performance instead of taking away from it. But also speaking about that, you know, that dry scooping trend on Mm. TikTok, if you've started to see it, I'm like, yeah. since when did giving yourself a heart attack become trendy? Why are we doing that? Yeah. And also with the dry scooping, um, I know this because I don't have a lot of enamel. Dry scooping ruins your enamel. So oh, I didn't if, know that. If you enjoy having white teeth, that's because you have a lot of enamel. I don't have a lot of enamel left, so it's hard for me to like have those pearly whites. I try my best some days or some weeks where I try whitening, but dry scooping ruins your enamel, so you're going to have yellow teeth for the rest of your life and you're going to have a lot of cavities. Yeah, but wow. I, that, Fun fact. I've, I mean, I've done it before, like I've done it. I'm really uh, proud of you. Yeah, I've actually I've never done it before. That's so scary. It's just like it's it's a gag. Like it's almost the same thing as chugging a pre-workout. It's you have great teeth, Alan. I would have never thought that. Yeah. All right. 
Are we ready to move? Ready to move. Best gym shoes for weight training in your opinion. Best shoes for, so the most optimal shoes are going to be something flat or something hard. Um, I think, but there's also the idea of, you know, letting your foot spread out, like having your toes spread out. So you could even work out in like, uh, those, those Vivo trainer shoes, you know, the one with the, like the finger toe shoes. I know what you're talking about, shoes. but I yeah. don't know what they're called. Yeah. So you could work out in finger toe shoes, but that's, that's almost like a high level, almost too much. You can do barefoot. Barefoot would be really good for like squatting barefoot or socks to really like allow your feet to breathe and work on your intrinsic foot muscles. Um, that's what I, I didn't barefoot squat a lot, but I did work on a lot of my foot muscles. So now I have an arch instead of being flat foot all the time. Um, so the that's best what shoes, I do too. Yeah. Best shoes I'd say would be depending, depending on your style of training. If you're more into like squat bench, deadlifting, you know, heavyweight, having a good solid foundation, kind of like powerlifting, you would invest in like a weight training shoe, kind of like the Romelio by Nike or the Adidas Olympic weightlifting shoe. Reebok has one. Um, CrossFitters also have their version. So if you're more into the CrossFit stuff, but you still like being able to like run around and stuff and be agile, do uh, box squats, box jumps, things like that. Then there's like the Noble or the Reebok has their CrossFit shoe. I think Nike has their Metcon, which is their like CrossFit version of their shoe. Um, what else? You can also go basic. You can, there are Converse and Nike Blazers, which are becoming really popular. Just a flat soled shoe that has a nice surface for you to kind of be on. Um, the only time I would not recommend running shoes is for if you're squatting and squatting heavy. So if you want to try it out or maybe go on YouTube, but look up like people squatting heavy in running shoes, running shoes have a stack for a reason. And that's to like, uh, decrease the impact force when people are running. And so they built in basically a trampoline for your foot. And that's not good when you're trying to like squat heavy because you have no balance or you have to balance even more so than rather being on a, on like concrete ground. So that's the only time I wouldn't really recommend running shoes. Um, but I wear running shoes when I do upper body stuff. Like I put on like my Nike running shoes. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Like if I'm doing upper body stuff, it doesn't matter as much. So I think we went through the, the gauntlet there. We have our weight training shoes, like the Olympic weightlifting shoes. We have CrossFit shoes, which are a little less intense than the weightlifting, but still have, give like that agility mobility and still get the job done and you can even go as casual as like converse vans nike flat sold shoe uh like a nike blazer and then we even went into the running shoes damn you're yeah, just covering all. all bases gotta cover it all all right losing weight is it easier doing cardio or some other exercise to lose weight, is it better doing cardio? Do you want to answer this one? Let me catch my breath for a second. Yeah, I was going to say, I was holding my breath for you. <laughs> I just got to put myself on mute, honestly. I mean, I feel like we both know our what our answer would be here. I mean, resistance training. If you want to lose weight fast, if you want results ASAP that are going to be probably really hard to sustain 
probably very temporary. You can kill yourself with cardio. (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't have said that. You can do a shit ton of cardio. Um, But I mean, resistance training, I think you get a lot more bang for your buck there. I don't know what you want to say about it. Yeah. So, okay. I'll start this by saying to lose weight, is it better doing cardio or some other exercise? So they didn't ask quickly. They just kind of left it general. The fastest way to lose weight is to do a lot of cardio. But you're not going to keep the weight off. You will gain the weight back. So the fastest way to lose weight is to do tons of cardio. Run a marathon every day for the next seven days. You will lose so much weight. I can almost 100% money back guaranteed guarantee it that if you ran a marathon every day for seven days, you will lose tons of weight. But people don't just want to lose weight. People want to lose weight and keep it off. And I think a better question is, what is a better way to lose fat? Is it cardio or is it some or other exercise? And oh, I think- yeah. I feel like a lot of people end up using weight and fat interchangeably, but you right. never want to lose muscle. That's part no. of your weight too. Yeah. Weight, you can have water weight. You can have weight from your food. You can have muscle weight. Those all contribute to weight. Fat is just fat, like subcutaneous and visceral fat. Fat is fat. So- I'm going to re-ask their question for them. And I'll, I'm going to ask the question of what is better for losing fat? Is it cardio or some other exercise? And the answer would be some other exercise. And that exercise would be anything resistance training, anything where you're building your muscle. The more muscle you have, the easier it is to lose fat because you've increased your basal metabolic rate. What's you can that? So basal metabolic rate is the amount of energy your body needs to just survive. So if you were to just be laying in bed all day, but stay alive, almost like in a comatose like state, that is how many calories your body would burn. And the more muscle you have, the more your body burns, your body burns hotter, your body burns faster. And that's why we preach building muscle so much is because you can literally get more by doing less. I was going to say, do less. The goal is always to do less. Yeah. Unless you like doing more. That's Unless true. you like doing more. Yeah. Some but people do have the time for that. Yeah. But neither but, of us do. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people don't want to be running a marathon every day for the rest of their life. And so what if you could just literally try to build a little bit of muscle three times a week? You might not get the results as quickly as you want, but you're going to keep the results for a lot longer. Cardio is paying rent paying rent every day. Building muscle is owning your own house. Like you've paid off the mortgage, you own that thing. That is yours. And that's, you get to keep it. But if you just want to do cardio for the rest of your life, you have time to do it every day, then that's perfectly fine too, I guess. But a lot of people don't want to be doing that every day. Yeah. I mean, you do whatever you want to do, but I knew that analogy was coming from you. You have the, the best analogies. Um, so, probably, so. I probably stole it from someone. I don't know. I wonder. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe, but maybe I did think of this one myself. No, I, I haven't heard that one before. Maybe similar, but. Similar, but different. But different. Uh, do you think a 1200 calorie diet on 164 centimeters is a good choice? I think. So 164 centimeters is five, like, four. What, five, four. Okay. Um, so, 
I was just going to say, I, okay. I also just want to say I'm 410. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, yes, 1200 calorie diets are, it depends on like the person. Yeah. It depends. Some people really do need like 1200 calories a day. Yeah. To me, like that is, I mean, because I've built muscle now, my maintenance calories are higher, but like, yeah, at the time before I had muscle, 1200 calories would have been my maintenance Yeah, or maybe less. So it's really dependent, but there's a lot of other factors we need to know about this person. Um, like just like how much they're working out, what their daily life is. Are they super sedentary? If they're super sedentary, then 1200 might be their maintenance. If they go over it, they're, they're yeah, they're going to have a tough time losing weight. They might be gaining weight if they're in a surplus, right? So if they're super sedentary, 1200 might be where they want to be. Um, but if they're super active, if they're a student, like needing to walk to and from class every day, if they're trying to work out six times a week, seven times a week, and they're on 1200 calories, then that's where, you know, you kind of draw the line. You're like, okay, why are you this low? And why are you doing this much activity and kind of trying to figure out like what, what is going on here? Like, what is the goal? What is the reason? What is right. the reason? What is the reason? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I was going to say too, I feel like, um, I just see a lot of memes or just like people shitting on like, you know, 1200 calories. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, when smaller people like me were like, wait, is there something wrong with me only having that much? Right. I mean, you, it's important to know that it depends on, well, yeah, everything Alan just said, but it's depends. It's not the it's not the worst thing in the world if that's what your body needs either. Yeah. Okay. I'll ask this to you. Do lifting belts help shape your waist? Why or why not? Um, so I'm, I'm assuming like lifting belts, maybe either like you can either think it's like the weightlifting belt, like that people use for weights, or you can also think of it like a waist trainer. Maybe they're. Oh my God. If you say it like that, I mean, I would say temporary waist trainer specifically, but I don't know. I mean, I've never used a lifting belt under heavy loads, but I mean, Mm -hmm. if you are using one and you're training your entire body and your goal is to shed that like body fat on your waist, then, then I would say maybe yes. Oh, you do think it would like even a waist trainer? I would have said lifting belt specifically, training your full body. Oh. But shaping your waist, I think it yes, temporary. Yeah, temporary. Answer. Yeah. Yeah, temporary. Right? Yeah. But if it's temporary, why would you want to use it for that reason? Maybe it gives people like extra motivation in the gym. They feel it. Remember, people like to feel things. People like to feel things. That's why people people don't like certain like core exercise because they don't feel it. Sometimes you just throw it in just so that they feel something. So we like tangible things. We like instant gratification. Yeah. Honestly, if the so my idea of waist trainers is like, you know, I'm not going out of my way recommending it to anyone. If you if you're wearing it. That's fine. If you're wearing it thinking that it's going to give you an hourglass figure, I think that could be a problem. That could be a problem. If you think only the waist trainer, unless you're wearing it like a corset, 
it's not gonna it's not gonna sh- shrink your waist by six seven eight inches right mm-hmm. it's not gonna shape it the way you see kim kardashian sh- photoshopping herself mm. do you see that video with the skims no no i haven't okay just quick tangent it's it's a video for skims you know her like her her line of clothing and she like snaps the waistband on the on the on the bottom like bikini wear and then she snaps it back and then she runs her finger across her her hips up to her abs and you can see her finger distort and nice they had they had photoshopped the video just so she could get her curves um Kimberly if if you're thinking that you're gonna look like Kim Kardashian just remember that Kim Kardashian doesn't even look like Kim Kardashian sometimes hey all right um but good point you know I feel like the waist trainer is the male equivalent of men working out shirtless or in a stringer like the stringers you know a stringer like where you see the nipple uh yes like really thin piece of clothing right yeah is it like like, yeah so it's like why do you guys wear that well because you can see the muscle you and if you see the muscle you get a little bit like more external motivation like damn like i can really like shape my body the way i want to like by lifting weights so a lot of guys will wear a stringer just so they can see the muscle see the definition I've done it too. And it gives you that external motivation when you're looking in the mirror, you're like, damn, like, I feel so good. Like I'm pumped up. I think the female equivalent would be the waist trainer. It's like, oh my gosh, like I feel myself slimming down, like what, whatever that might be. Maybe they feel the sweat. Maybe they're wearing like the sweet sweat and they feel all the sweat. They're like, man, like I'm actually working hard. Like I am sweating. Like I'm in the gym, I'm sweating, I'm getting my thing in. And they look in the mirror like, damn, I look so good. Like, that's good. That's positive feedback. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I look so good. I want to keep looking good. I want to keep feeling good. Right. Do it for that reason. Don't do it because you want to look like you want to change. External appearance. Like, yeah. Okay. Aesthetic reasons. Yeah. That makes sense. I do. I do see a case too for um, people. Maybe they're like postpartum or something mm. using a waist trainer or yeah. I'm trying to think of other other reasons people would maybe just for that extra support, but it would become a problem, at least in my opinion, if you were becoming dependent on it, like we mentioned before with the lifting belts, right. To support your core. Right. Um, but I mean, I shit on waist trainers a lot because it's coming from the angle of training for aesthetics and that being the only reason. Uh-huh. If you really want to shape your waist, just wear a corset for the next 90 days and make sure it's tight. Like, you know, like medieval tight. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't fuck around. They pulled that thing, dude. They pulled that thing. And if you want smaller feet, oh, back to the ankle question. No, I already, I feel like I know what you're going to say, but it's not related, but feet binding, you can do some sort of feet binding, you know, bind the feet that that's a proven way to shape your body. And it works. It's really painful, but no pain, no gain. Right. So if you want to do it, go ahead. Again, that's sarcasm. If you can't tell from my voice. That was really good. That was really convincing. There we go. Um, Oh, great. Next question. Transitioning. What exercise should I start with if I want to train my abdomen? I started to exercise in January. Train your abdomen um, like for abs, core strength. let's, Let's assume because no one really gives a fuck about core strength, right? What does that even mean? That's not tangible. Mm. No, they want to train their abs for visible aesthetic reasons. Okay. Um, I would say visible abs has more to do with your body fat. Mm-hmm. 
But a caveat is that you can have visible abs at a higher body fat definition. What do you mean? So like one of my goals is to have abs at like 14, 15, 16% body fat instead of having to be at 12, 13% body fat. So how do you do that? You have to do weighted ab training. You have to train your abs the same way you would train any muscle. How do you get But I don't want to look like a box. That's sarcasm, right? Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) You're not going to look like a box. (laughs) Okay. I I sent you a TikTok video of a woman um, saying not to train specific exercises like weighted ab Mm -hmm. exercises. Yeah. Because people were concerned about their waist uh, becoming boxy. And yeah, what's your what's your thoughts? No. I I would say maybe lay off the obliques, the one where you have the you side know, bends. The side bend. One, if you if you do the side bends with two dumbbells in your hands, like a dumbbell in each hand, and you're bending to the side, that's you're that's beyond that's you're missing the point. That that's not how how training like you're not doing anything. You're not doing anything. If that's the same thing as having no weight in either hand and just bending to the side. So if you don't want to get a box of your waist, which is, it is a thing, but not a thing, not as big. It is a thing, but the fitness marketing gurus have made it a bigger thing than what it actually is. Like That's they've the entire you fitness industry. Yeah. We they run off you, of extremes. Right. They scared you into the extremes. Like the, the people, okay. I'm. I go to women because like women, they always talk about like want, not wanting to be bulky. And I think maybe we're so deep in the space that I feel like it's a joke at this point, but it's actually still a thing, which is crazy. I it's agree. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's still definitely a thing. Um, I guess it's just because I've seen it so much and I know the answer that I think it's a joke, but it's not a joke. Um, so a lot of people, a lot of women are, they don't want to get a bulky waist and they see people will put these crossfitters these 1% elite athletes up on the TikTok for you page. And they're like, look, if you train your abs with, with weights, you're going to look like this. No, you're, no, you're not. That's like, <laughs> that's like, that's like putting up Kevin Durant or LeBron James on TikTok. I'm like, Hey, if you play basketball, you're going to be this tall. You're going to be six, eight. Mm. And you don't want to do that. Right. You don't want to get tall. Right. So don't play basketball. Don't swim. If you don't want to look like Michael Phelps, like, these are CrossFit athletes. They're at the 1%. And one of the reasons they have a bulky waist is not because they trained it that way. They are CrossFit athletes because they have that 1% genetics that gave them a bulky waist that made it better for power transfer so that they could be as strong as fuck. Like, that's why. Like, they mm-hmm. didn't train and then get the bulky abs. They probably started with a wider hip, you know, hip displacement or a wider hips and a bigger bigger core and midsection that allowed them to train so much that they got so good at their sport that they were allowed able to like get into the the pinnacle of their sport the top Shit, of sport. if you were if you trained for like three months and you ended up like that like i would be so jealous yeah i'm 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 doing abs every day right now i'm doing the hanging leg raises oh, yeah like i'm not oh using weights gosh, for them but those like are still so, so hard yeah, but they're so, so good. They're so good. Yeah, they're so good. I'm gonna do that for 30 days. And I, 
I might see a small change, but not as big as a change as people saying like, oh, don't do weighted ab exercises. Like, okay, if you don't want a boxy core, then just stay away from anything oblique. Like, even if you think it's going to give you a one inch difference, which could be big for some people, if they're like really thin, then don't do those. But you can still do other ab exercises like a hanging leg raise, I think is really good. Or a hanging knee raise. Instead of bringing your legs up, you bring your knees up as high as you can go. Is that your favorite? ab exercise i think the hanging yeah is my favorite like direct ab exercise but you know mm-hmm. me i love training my core in different ways anything overhead works your core if you're doing an yeah. overhead thing correctly it's so good z press go check out my instagram page one of my workouts i have the z press on there and you're basically like sitting with your legs flat on the floor your butts on the floor and you're sitting with an it's upright so torso and you're pushing a, a moderate to heavy weight up above your head if you as long as you're keeping your torso upright, you're going to feel your core and it's such a good one. So that's a a good way to indirectly train your core. Yeah. I love asymmetrical like exercises, like doing a a squat with a dumbbell on your right shoulder. Right. Right. Um, an easy way to get that work in. What else? Like a single, even like a single like deadlift, every exercise is a core exercise indirectly, Mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but especially a lot of those unilateral movements. So like focusing on one side with weight or anything overhead, pushing up over your head is great for trying to work the core, engaging it. My favorite is the dead bug though. Dead bug. Yeah, it's just, that's a great starter. And I think if you can get really good at that, you can, you know, get into a lot of better ones. Yeah, basic beginner you can even Ab exercise. You can even get those weighted. You can, uh, yeah, you can weight those. You can put dumbbells in your hands, do alternating dead bugs. Mm-hmm. You can add a band to your feet and really push out the legs and stuff. Uh, I like, like the one where you're you don't use any equipment, so it's mm-hmm. just body weight. Just and body you're weight, yeah. Pushing against yourself. Oh yeah, if you're doing the dead bug, basically you are in tabletop position, but on your back. So you're on your back. You're hips, legs, knees, and ankles are all 90 degrees to each other. So your knees are bent, feet are flexed, and your arms are reaching up towards the ceiling. That's basically the dead bug. And before you get into that position, you're going to breathe all your air air out, push your belly button through your spine down into the floor. And that's when you know you've started at a good position. Yeah. Low back making contact with the ground. Low back contact. And that's such a great transition because we're talking about abs and people are always like, people are just telling you, you need to be at a lower body fat percentage, but what does that actually mean? And so the next question is, is having a proper diet really necessary? Is having a proper diet really necessary? Necessary for results? Maybe necessary for life. Yeah, of course, having a proper diet necessary for life. Like who wants to live the rest of their life eating only Oreos every day for the rest of their life? I'm not going to feel good about myself. I am going to feel kind of shitty, but having an Oreo here and there is perfectly fine. I'm not going to tell you to eat ice cream for breakfast every day. Like if you've ever done that, eat a whole tub of ice cream first thing in the day. No, you're going to feel like shit and you're never going to do it again. Same thing with the caffeine thing. I would be on the toilet for the rest of the day. Exactly. So So it's not enjoyable. But so I think is having a proper diet really necessary? I think just in terms of like results and fitness, you can train out train a bad diet. I'm going to say that. You can. Yeah. But you're going to have to train really freaking hard. I like 24 seven nonstop almost. 
but okay. that's going to backfire because then you don't sleep and then you you don't recover. And then at one point you will no longer be able to out train a bad diet. So I think you can out train it for all. It's so limited. There's only so much you can do before the diet catches up and the diet will always catch up. So then does that just negate your entire point then? I guess it does. If the diet always catches up, you can never really out train it. <laughs> okay. I agree with that. And, and yeah. And like something about diet is like, without getting too much into the, like the toxic diet culture, like, yo, just add, add one large salad every day. I learned that from Syat fitness too. Like one large salad every day. Like you can have it with a meal, have it with protein, but whatever it is, have at least one large salad every day. Like I would get a big bowl, add spinach, kale, arugula, you know, fajita veggies, I don't know, cheese, chicken, whatever you want in there, one big salad. And why would you do that? You get your veggies. People just say, eat more veggies every day. Okay. How do you do it? Eat one large salad every day. There you go. Boom. Done. Another have really, really good tip though, too, that I've started to give clients is for every meal that you at least have planned is to mm -hmm. have at least three different colors of like veggies or fruits. With, nice. Yeah. And like, yeah, eat them first. Yeah. Eat be, colorful. Yeah. yeah. Um, eat it's veggies doable. First. Eat your protein source first. Carbs, that's where they always get you, especially the processed ones. They'll trick you. Yeah. Next time we need to talk about getting enough protein because that's something I am really struggling with right now. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, also defining bad, bad diet. Like, what is that? Mm -hmm. So what tips do you have for reaching 15% body fat and shedding off that last bit of stubborn belly fat? So it really depends. Let's just assume this person has been sticking to a diet. They've been sticking to a routine. They've been seeing pretty consistent results over the past, I don't know, six, eight, 10 weeks, 12 weeks. So three months, let's say they've got to a point where they're kind of hitting this plateau and they're not seeing the same progress that they did in the first, you know, few weeks that they, that they saw. So tips for reaching that last 15%. Um, if you're already doing cardio, which I usually save if I'm like on a goal, an aesthetic goal like this, I usually save cardio for like the very last right now. I'm kind of just doing cardio willy nilly just because I like to run. I like to walk. So if you haven't done cardio yet and you've saved it for this moment, this is the perfect time to implement it. Start slow 10 minute walks after every meal. That's cardio. That's that adds up to 30 minutes of cardio every day because I mean, why, why would you, why would you sit? Why would you be walking on a treadmill for upwards of an hour every day? That's just so boring to me. I could never just like walk in place, like go enjoy nature if you have the ability. And even if you don't have, okay, then I would say, go to your gym, walk on a treadmill for 10 minutes after your workout or after your meal. Or if you can't, or if you don't have a treadmill at home that you can walk on 10 minutes after every meal, then go to your gym or wherever you're going to go. And then you can do the 30 minute walk at the end of the day, uh, get your steps in steps. People realize under under value, how important getting steps in every day is. I'm pretty sure not many people get over 10 K steps anymore. And 10 K mm -hmm. is only like two miles. Is it? Yeah. Two, three miles. 
I agree. Do you have step walking. goals for like for your clients? Um, yeah, with my clients, I do try to get them to 10 K. And so just, yeah, just having that in the back of their mind is like, Oh, like I do need to go for steps. Like I need to walk after my meal. Maybe that'll be the easiest or, Oh, I'm going to walk in the morning before I start like my work and just like listen to a podcast, just having it in the back of your mind, realizing that you need to get some steps in that way. You're not sitting the whole entire day. Um, but th- yeah, that would be like the first thing I would include for the reaching the- that percentage body body fat percentage yeah um and i don't know if a a woman or a man or um who sent this question in but also for women too i think if you get to a like certain body fat percentage you want to be careful you don't want to really be so fixated on that number i mean it's a you can define your own goals but if you are losing your period or it's affecting other parts of your health, then I would definitely kind of reassess where that's coming from. Right. That goal is coming from at least. Right. But yeah. So if you want to reach your goal, whatever it might be, and you're kind of at that plateau where it's just a little bit of stubborn fat left, incorporate a little bit of cardio, start slow, um, reassess your your diet and your protein. I would start to really focus on the protein, especially here. Um, making sure you're hitting protein at every meal and then maybe using a supplement at the end of the day. And then uh, maybe looking at your routine one more time and seeing like what you can change. If you've been doing the same thing for the past eight to nine weeks and now you're kind of hitting a plateau, this is a great time to like move into a new phase. And it might be something that's super new where it's such a novel stimulus that it'll kind of reinvigorate that metabolism. And so, yeah, that's kind of, Kind of that, kind of that. Um, we got a couple more questions left here with the time remaining we have. We want to keep this to just about an hour. I think we got about maybe 15 to 20 minutes left. So we can kind of go over maybe three to four questions left and then we'll be on our way. Thank you guys again for leaving all these questions. Remember to follow us on Instagram. We'll put all the links in the show notes. But again, Monica has her page at ASAP Mani. I've got my page at The Alan Yee. And we also have our podcast page at Fittish Media. And if you enjoyed this podcast, go ahead and give us a, a like, a thumbs up, whatever you're listening on. And make sure to follow us as well. Uh, would really appreciate that. And then if you really enjoyed it, if you could share it, if you share it on social media and tag us, we will repost you. We love seeing that. And if you share it to your family members, we love that also just getting our name out there. We're trying to answer all the questions we possibly can. So we'll go into this next question and it's dealing with anxiety at the gym. And so I got this question and I answered it on my Instagram story, but I think this is a really great question that I didn't really realize too much before until I started talking to more people. And so if you have anxiety with going to the gym, one of the best tips that I've seen is, you know, make sure you go into the gym, you have a plan for that day, like some workouts that either you found on Instagram or that someone created for you, just make sure you have a plan. I think the best way is like going onto Instagram, finding someone who has a workout made using like one dumbbell. That way you don't have to like get too much equipment. Uh, FYI, I've got some workouts on my page using just one dumbbell, sometimes just using body weight. I got a body weight program on my Instagram link in my bio if you guys want to purchase that. But, you know, find someone, 
find someone who has a workout that only involves one dumbbell. Why one dumbbell? You can grab that one dumbbell, go to a corner of the gym or go to a part of the gym where, you know, usually where they teach classes where they don't have a class going somewhere that's like closed off that no one can see you. That's going to be your space. You bring your dumbbell in, you get your workout done. Boom. I think that's going to help for your first couple times. After that, build up. You can start to progress. Maybe you want to try a different workout and involves two, three, four dumbbells. Okay. So you have to either find that equipment in your little space that you found or bring it to that space. And, you know, you're just chilling there for the next 45 minutes doing your workout. And then from there, you're like, oh man, like I found this workout on Alan's page and, but it involves a lot more equipment. Like now I have to get a barbell and stuff like that. Well, now maybe by this time you're feeling more open and able to like try some of the, the movements. So then you go out and you go try it. And I think you can build up from there. And then I saw a question about machines and not knowing how to use machines. That's okay. I don't know how to use machines either. Just get on it. Pretend like you know what you're doing. Sometimes they'll have directions on the side and hopefully you get the best from there. But just remember, like I've used a machine that I didn't know what I was doing on it and I looked dumb and I didn't care because like I wanted Nobody's to try paying it. A- Nobody is paying attention to you. Like it took me a while to realize like nobody really gives a damn like what you're doing they're busy concerned about themselves to really pay attention to other people but the the thing that actually really helped me too with dealing with anxiety at the gym um when i would go i honestly haven't gone since covid um even now that restrictions are lifted um is asking a friend to go with you oh yeah that's always one of the most helpful things, at least for me, like I can be such a little B sometimes in going into new places. So if I ask a friend, um, just doing that one step with them, I'm a lot more confident going the next time alone. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Go with a friend right now. I'm dealing with anxiety cause I'm, I've been filming a lot more of my workouts, like in the gym, Ooh, especially like at a commercial gym, like LA, LA fitness, like, you know, people are just, I don't think I would think that it's more kind of like a norm there though. No, it it would have to be at like the gyms where like people usually film. Like no one really films at like the commercial gyms. They'll like go to like, you know, the gym for yourself. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's what I've found, but like I'm dealing with it because like I have to, I have this whole tripod set up. Like you saw me with this thing. Like I have to fuck, I have to take this out of my bag. I have to put it down where I want like the, the thing. So if you guys, you guys obviously can't see it, but (laughs) This is a, a phone tripod, but it's a regular tripod. It's got the whole base with the three legs. And this thing can come can come up maybe like 60 inches, 65 inches. So it's like taller it's than just, me. Yeah, it's just like a big tripod. And I'm taking it out of my bag. I'm putting it down. Literally has to be like 10 to 15 feet away from me. Like it's not close to me where it's like I can just like reach and grab it. Like I have to go walk yeah. somewhere, <laughs> yeah. put it down, put my camera there. And then get my camera set up. Like I have to go back. I use the back camera now too, because I want that good quality. Oh, yeah. So I can't see myself. So I have to, I have to set it up, go walk to where I'm going to be, practice the movement, come back, check my recording to see and make sure it's okay. Make sure the and angle's right. Make sure the angle's right. And usually it's not. So I usually have to change it a couple times. And then finally you can start recording. So talk about anxiety where like people are like, but then I realize like no one really cares. And in the back of my head, I'm like, 
I'm basically getting paid to like film myself at the gym. I know yeah. you wish, I know you wish you could be me where I, you could just like <laughs> film yourself and be at the gym, but you're not. So I really don't care about you. Like, unless I was going to say you are, you're like a legit person. So uh, yeah, that unless, was legitness. Unless that's like the, that's like the spy kids thing, right? The, or not the spy kids, like <laughs> the new TikTok thing, like expect the unexpected I'm an oh yes yeah. Spy. Super spy. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that's what I think of all the time is like I'm getting paid to do this basically um but yeah I remembered like oh man they're not putting money in my pocket I paid to go to this gym I'm gonna film this like I have nothing to lose it's your job dude and it's yeah. your job like and it. most most of the times like people come over like whoa are you are you Alan are you are you Shut, Alan from, you have like, fans I have fans yeah it's been a couple <laughs> times where I go to the gym and people are like I think I I think I follow you on TikTok. You're Alan, right? The Alan Yee. I'm like, oh yeah, that's me. They're like, oh, that's so cool. Oh nice God. to meet you. And I'll yeah. So like, yeah. I mean, the first couple times I was kind of anxious, but I built up to that. So I built up to it. And here's how. I first started with just filming using my phone, just like propping it up on something using the front camera, and I got used to that. And then after doing that a couple times, I would either ask someone to like help film me. Like if it's uh, a big set, like I'll just ask the stranger, like, yo, do you mind filming me? Like, I just got to get this. And then I started bringing the tripod in. When I first brought the tripod in, I would try to do it either not at peak hours where there aren't a lot of people like around me mm-hmm. or somewhere off in the corner where not too many people could see or not too many people walking by. And now I just kind of set up wherever. Obviously, I'm not obnoxious and rude. Like, I'm, I'm going to still be respectful and mindful of other people, making sure like they're okay with me like filming and like putting this piece of equipment like either near them or next to them yeah um but i am also at the point where it's like i do need to like film this to make sure i can get content out like i'm a content creator so i need to make sure i'm filming my stuff and so it's 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 a it's a give and take it's a give and take i like that you're talking about it because i i don't i always think about that i always imagine the person like having to prop their camera yeah up. no it's so it's funny really funny to think about and now when i see people like creating content and like you know filming those, themselves in the gym you obviously cheer them on tripod, you're like yeah, hyping I'm like, them up I'm like damn and i also go through like the motion in my head like oh they had to like they're mm-hmm. getting a good angle that means they had to like put this somewhere like where everyone can see it and everyone's just like staring at them probably but like they got such a good angle where it's like the better the angle is the more you feel like you're part of their workout And so like, if I just put the phone, like where you can only like see like a part of my body, you don't feel like at the workout with me. Like if you can watch like every little thing of me, it feels a lot more relatable. It's like, oh, it's like, I I can do this at the gym now. Like you did it at the gym. Like I can see every little thing that's going on. That's so true. I think think that's like, yeah, because I have friends who like, who, who will film, but they don't get the, like the full angle. Like they'll just prop it up maybe on the floor somewhere. And so you're never going to be watching someone from the floor looking up at them like that from that angle. Right. You're usually like looking either at them or down on them if they're on a bench or something. So that's why the angle is so important. And that's what I've come to realize as we're speaking now is like the more the angle like fits how someone's visual field fits, the more relatable and the more likely they'll either try it or share it with someone else. Yeah, that's so true. I always like whenever I see videos of your workouts or something, I'm like, Damn, what a confident person filming themselves in the gym. Thank you. Yeah. I actually I'll have a film client you who, when I'm back there. Thank you. I actually have a client who was like very open to like the idea of like filming in the gym. And I was like, damn, like good for you. Like I, I wouldn't even do that if I was like first 
being told to like film myself like it's a it's a big ask and I it was is. Really I, I actually have all my clients film every it's, single it's tough workout. and I think that's that's definitely one way to get over your gym anxiety mm-hmm. like and it's I had a, a girl who had never gone to the gym by herself and she wow. had to do all of that all at once and she was like oh my god it wasn't that bad and she yeah. like it was a lot more exciting for her to go yeah so I mean you can definitely overcome it and it's I'm it's fun to actually like spitball and talk about the things that we had to overcome going into the gym. It's very relatable. Yeah. Uh, the next part of the anxiety now is uh, taking my shirt off in the gym. So like, because, because I, I like the videos where like, I can see the muscles working. And mm-hmm. so like a lot of people I follow, like they'll have their shirt off, but they're at gyms where like, it's normal to, it's so hard in a commercial gym. Cause everyone's like, what are you doing? But then I realize like, I don't Who cares? Really care about you. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I look sick and I work for this <laughs> and this is literally my job. And so I'm going to, I'm going to do it and you'll just have to, and I'm not obnoxious about it at the same time. Like there are some people who are like, you know, they'll take off their shirt and be obnoxious about it. I'm still, <laughs> well, how do you mean? Like, I guess there is no um, non-obnoxious way. Like they announce it. Hey everyone, I'm taking no, my shirt just, off. <laughs> just think about like a, a really big dude and he just like takes his shirt off and, and starts he's grunting like. He starts grunting. He's got the hundred pounds. Like, yeah, wait, baby. But in a commercial gym, like there are some gyms where like, that's pretty acceptable. Like Gold's Gym, the Mecca in, in uh, LA. Like that's pretty acceptable because like, that's kind of the, the way. Vibe. The, yeah. The way of the land over there, the way of the world over there. Uh, but in a commercial gym, not as much. So I'm not doing stuff like that, you know? Oh, I do want to go over one pet peeve and then maybe we'll answer two more questions. <laughs> But one pet peeve is two pet peeves. Okay. Two pet peeves is first one is when people are using the lightweight, but staying right in front of the rack, like, please don't do that. And if you're going to do that, please move a little bit for me. If I need to put my weight back on Mm -hmm. onto the rack. So like I had these hundred pound weights. Oh, we get it. We get it. You're um, strong as fuck. We get it. Yeah. I I got the triple (laughs) digit. Okay. I need to let you know. And I had these weights and like, there was just a person using the five pound weights and they were like literally right in front of the mirror, just watching themselves the whole time. And I had these weights and I really just needed to put them back Yikes. on, on. And like my grip was failing me. I was like, please, like, I'll just run into you and drop it on you. And you'll learn to move away from the rack a little bit. Can the I guess the one, second? What is it? Re-racking. I, yes, but also oh. the second one that I thought of right now is when people are using lighter weight than you and dropping it like heavy oh, like yeah okay like 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 dude do you not see me i'm using 100 pound weights and i didn't i didn't make one sound with this on the ground until i rdl them back down and you're using 30 pound weights and ruining the weights you're going to destroy the weights you're going to destroy the floor no one's going to have a good time if you destroy the weights like why can't you just let let the weights go down a little bit softer like if you're strong enough to pick them up you're strong enough to enough to put them down you I was should gonna be. say, yeah, I was going to say, I feel like it's more of a flex to be able to control the weights coming down. Like, yeah. 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 If, if, if you can only control them coming up and not down, you're not strong enough. Go lighter. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear a peep coming out of you, especially control, if I'm using, control. especially, yeah, especially if I'm using heavier weight than you. Okay. I like that. I like Get that pet peeve. I mean, Get I, that in your mind. it would, it's a. Yeah, I agree. No, and sometimes it makes me mad. I'm like, oh, what? Why are you doing that? And then I have a much better set after that. I'm like, you want to see? You want to see some real speed? You want to see some real strength? (laughs) Watch me, okay? Put your eyes on me. You're dropping your weights. I'm not gonna drop these hundreds 
not even once. You won't even hear a peep. You won't even know I'm using them. Yeah. Hunt it, watch hunt me. it, hunt it, hunt it. That's Spot awesome. me. Spot me. Just kidding. Just watch me stand there. You're not going to touch these. Ugh. You should tell them next time. Hey, stop dro- dropping your weights. Stop. Okay. Lunk alarm. Um, how much protein? You think you're big? I'm bigger. Right, I am last- not bigger than you. Last, last two, two questions. questions. Yeah. How much proteins, fats, carbs should you eat every day? How much an, do you eat every day? An adequate amount. What are your an adequate amount? You should eat an adequate one. amount of each every day. What's and adequate for you? Of course. See, the answer depends. It depends. And so for me on a on a more sedentary day, I'm going down on carbs. Why am I going down on carbs? Carbs are so easy to overeat. Think about how much just like rice you could eat. Think about how much potato chips, white bread, things like that. Carbs are so easy to overeat. If I know I'm not working out that day and I know I'm just going to be on my computer all day, I'm going down on carbs. I'm increasing my protein and fat. Why? That increases my satiety. I'll be more full for longer and I won't find myself snacking as much as if I had carbs. Um, so it, it fluctuates. It's different right now. I'm trying to keep my proteins pretty high. Um, and I'm not really too worried about fat and carbs and I haven't been tracking. I've, I haven't tracked for like the past two years. So if, if you really want to be able to get to a point where you don't have to track too much, focus on your protein. If you focus on hitting your protein, one gram of protein per lean pound of body weight. So lean pound. So just your muscle mass. So if you're, if you're 200 pounds and 15% body fat, that means you have fifty. wait, sorry. If you're a hundred pounds and 15% body fat, that means you have 15%. That means you have 15 pounds of fat, right? So 15% body fat means 15 pounds of fat. If you're a hundred pounds, right? Yes. So that means you have 100 minus 15, your weight minus the amount of fat you have, 100 minus 15 means you have 85 pounds. So you would be aiming for 85 grams of protein every day. That's your lean body mass, your LBM, lean body mass. So you would aim for 85 grams of protein. So one gram of protein per pound of muscle, per pound of lean body mass. So 85 grams of protein. As long as you're hitting that basically every day or even going a little bit over it, the fats and carbs just kind of do just go into them. They, they just fix themselves, right? If you have more protein, you're less hungry throughout the day. You're not going to be consuming carbs. You're not going to be snacking on things. A lot of snacks are carb driven, a lot of carbs, a lot of sugar. You just won't have that craving. And then same thing for fats. Fats kind of go with the carbs, especially in terms of snacking. You'll see a lot of these uh, foods that are high carb, high fat, low protein. And those are like the processed foods. But if you're eating your protein, you're, you know, you're not as hungry. You're, you have a ba- a good balance in your insulin, ghrelin and leptin hormones. Ghrelin makes you hungry. More ghrelin means you get hungrier. I believe uh, I that sounds right. <laughs> and then more leptin means you're fuller. So you want to increase your leptin and decrease your ghrelin. I think might be opposite, but I'm pretty sure if you increase your leptin levels, you will feel more full. And so that's what happens when you eat protein. It helps to increase your leptin levels, decrease your ghrelin. Yeah. I actually, fun fact, I actually have been tracking oh, well. lately, like the past, um, there is like, yeah, weeks. There like, is... I know we talked about it before, but I, yeah, I'm like, tool. I, yeah, I need to like re 
evaluate where I'm at with protein. Cause I yeah. started like training seriously again. Yeah. See? Um, and yeah, I want to just see where I'm at and I def I'm, I have been under eating protein. I'm having everyone does. Time. Yeah. Having everyone does. Time. It's hard to eat a lot of protein because you get so full and mm -hmm. it's just so hard to like continuously eat protein. And so that's why I have all my clients and all the people I talk to on Instagram, like hit your protein first. Everything just kind of falls into place. Like if you can hit your protein every day for a week, then you're on a good path because it is tough. Yeah. Like it's not, I'm, oh my God. I'm struggling, but it's, it's way been, easier to overeat carbs. And I've definitely felt so much better. Like, Better recovery, protein. better, yeah, more strength. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. We're going to wrap it up here with the last and final question. Again, if you guys enjoyed this podcast, please leave a like, leave a rating, go ahead, subscribe and follow us on Instagram and share it with a friend, family member or on social media and be sure to tag us. But here is the last question. How long does it take to see fitness progress for you? Like a week and you're noticing or or what? So let's go with you. You say you've been upping your, your training, right? And you've been tracking your macros. You're tracking your protein at least, right? So yep. when did you start doing that? And how immediate did you see results? Okay. Well, the follow-up question that I had to that, because if we're talking about physical results, honestly, if I'm being very like serious and on my, on my shit, I feel like I've only been tracking for all, about three weeks. Um, I already am kind of seeing like based on the data that I have, I literally weigh my, I weigh myself on like a smart scale, like every morning and every evening. So I can see like a trend. Mm -hmm. um, don't recommend that for everybody, but it's kind of just good data to have. Uh, seeing like the body fat, go down without my weight fluctuating. Mm -hmm. Oh, good. Um, so that's a good a sign for muscle. me. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's a good sign for me. But I mean, I always say too, like when I talk to clients that we've been training for, I don't know how many years that you've been actually weightlifting. Um, like seven. Yeah. Seven. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's only been what, like seriously, maybe three to four. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a lot easier for me to like, start a program or exactly if I haven't been doing a serious training program for a while, like if I start then, and I'm very consistent with it, it, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing those results physically, maybe not, sorry, not physically, but based on that data, but also it would, it took like a week for me to feel like mental benefits from it too. There you go. Yeah. Like energy. Yeah. I say, like yeah. That. So fitness progress can come in a lot of different shapes and forms. Obviously there's the visual aspect where you're, you know, checking on your body every day, but there's also the other things like mental aspect. How do you feel? Do you feel, do you feel disciplined? Do you feel like motivated every day to like, want to keep improving? Um, do you feel mental clarity? And there's like, I don't know, social beha behaviors. Like, do you feel like you've improved like your social health with like your friends? Like, are you able to like go out more or less? Like there's many different ways of progressing fitness. I think if you're looking at it solely based on like a number standpoint or even a visual standpoint, the more advanced you are, the less time it takes to see fitness progress. And here's what I mean by that. If you've, if you've been in the fitness space for a longer time, 
you know how many different variables there are to check. Like Monica was saying, like there's your weight, there's your body fat percentage, there's your mental health, there's your strength, there's your sleep. Yeah, sleep, all those different things. So the more advanced you are, the quicker it is to see results. They're not necessarily physical results of like, you know, getting a six pack in one week, but you know how many different things there are to be checking for. Like, oh, I slept so much better. I had better recovery. I felt way better when I woke up. I didn't have any soreness. I didn't have any joint pain when I woke up. And those small things kind of add up. And so that's kind of how I see the fitness progress. And so, yeah, it could take as little as a week. But if you're talking about like fitness progress in terms of like going from being really skinny and like, yeah, losing fat or being really skinny and then like getting a six pack like that, that can take months. That can take years. Like I said, like I've been training for six to seven years. A lot of people will ask me like, how long did it take for you to go from like what you look like in high school to what you look like now? And the answer is usually like, three to four years of like consistent weightlifting and like being consistent with my diet, be consistent with like a lot of things. And I didn't just like do that overnight. Like I started slow. Like first, the first thing was being consistent with my workout routine. And like, once I got that down, I introduced being consistent with my nutrition. And once I saw the results from that, I was like, Oh man, like I'm going to be better with my sleep. I know how much sleep is going to affect me. So better with my sleep went back to the nutrition, like honed it in even more and then to the sleep and then to supplements. Um, I, w- I stopped doing my multivitamin. Instead, I really saw like, what am I missing? Am I missing vitamin D? Because, you know, it's winter time. I'm not out in the sun as much. The UV is pretty low. So maybe I incorporate more vitamin D into my supplement routine. And then from there going up and up and up, up the ladder, you're not going to be at the very top of the ladder right when you start. I know a lot of people want to be there. Maybe that's why you hire a coach so they can help you get to the ladder a little quicker. I know you can hire Monica, you can hire me. We're always available. Uh, My stuff is on pause right now, but That's why people hire coaches for many reasons, like whether it's business or fitness or spiritual, it's because those people have made it to the top of the ladder and they know the small things, the small rings that will help get you up the ladder a little bit faster than if you did it yourself, because it's a lot of trial and error. And like a lot of the fitness stuff that I've done is trial and error. And I try to make sure that the people don't have the same uh, errors that I did. Yeah, I think too, like, especially with beginners, sometimes they see those like newbie Gains if they've games. never, if they've never strength trained before and yeah. they get discouraged after, you know, it's been a little bit, they're not seeing those consistent changes in their body. So, I mean, like you said, training experience too plays a huge role in that. Yeah. And then the last thing I wanted to touch upon that I realized while we were talking and that when I was like spitballing there is, excuse me, if I was talking too fast and I hope you're not listening to it on 1.5 speed because I listen to all my podcasts in 1.5 speed. I feel so like if you're, listening, if you're listening to me in 1.5 speed, oh my God, you might have to go back because it might just sound like a blur even right now. But one of the things is this positive feedback loop. And what it starts with is motivation. Motivation is okay. You don't want to rely on it too much or all the time, but you know, motivation does play a role. It's a great tool. Um, I use motivation, external motivation, internal motivation sometimes, but it, it goes like this. It follows as so motivation drives action, action drives results, results drive motivation. If you can find yourself in that positive feedback loop and stay in that loop, that's a really great place to be in. Motivation drives action, action drives results, 
results drive more motivation, more motivation, more action, more action, more results, more results, more motivation. I think where people get stuck on sometimes is the action to results part where they're doing an action, but don't see the results. And sometimes it's because they're not doing enough of the action, or maybe they're overdoing the action and expecting a huge result. Um, But I think finding a good balance between like even small actions, creating small results, leading to small motivation might drive the snowball down the mountain and increase, increase your momentum, increase how big that snowball gets before you get like an avalanche or something, an avalanche of results. And that leads me to my last final point. And it was talking to a client who, who seemed to have gained about a pound of weight but also saw their measurements go down. And so maybe they gained a little weight, but saw their measurements go down. And, I, and they were like, like, I, I'm worried. Like, this doesn't feel good. Like, I'm usually a couple pounds lighter. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, this is a good spot. Like, you literally were able to go up in weight, but your measurements still went down. That's not necessarily a bad thing. And mm-hmm. what you might see is that the measurements going down are <clears throat> preceding the weight coming down too. Cause I know sometimes if I'm really on my stuff, I don't see anything happen for a week, but as long as I'm consistent, man, it's like almost like overnight. I know it's not overnight, yeah. but it's one week like that it took and overnight. Seemingly you wake up the next day. You're like, Oh my God, like I feel so good. Like the results are visible. I see it in the scale. And so I just told her like, you know, maybe the results coming from your your measurements are just preceding what's going to happen next. And that's that avalanche that comes down. Yeah. It's super, it's really unreliable to rely on the scale too. Cause it's such a mind fuck. Like mm-hmm. it can be the first like couple of weeks gaining like weight was such a mind fuck for me too. Even though I didn't really see like necessarily the body fat going up, but I was going to say something and then I lost my train of thought. I was just really into whatever (laughs) you were saying. Yeah, me too. But Oh, expectations. I feel like setting Mm. realistic expectations is something we should talk about next time because that plays a real, like a huge role in like the action and results. Yeah. Yeah. We will talk more about it again. Remember you guys can DM us questions also, but we also have those weekly polls that way we can have it more in a congregated area where we can see all the questions that way we're not going back and forth, but yeah, always feel free to leave a question on those polls. And we want to thank you guys again so much for listening to the fit ish podcast. It's been your host, Monica Blanco alongside me, Alan Yee. Don't forget to go ahead, follow us on all the socials. We'll have it all in the bio and go ahead, leave a a rating and a like on this episode. And we hope to see you at the next one. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye.